The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Let me tell you who's doing sneakers the best in the game right now. That's New Balance. The two-way V4, featuring this groundbreaking use of technology with fresh foam. It's called Fuel Cell, creating this combination that we love of rebound and cushioning. Fresh Foam offers unparalleled cushioning for maximum comfort your entire game from start to finish. The upper construction features this lightweight textile that reduces weight, which we all need, I know I do, while remaining supportive and breathable. Hard to find that combo. The two-way V4 gives you the tools that you need to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way V4 at newbalance.com. You're tuned in to Heat Check with Trista Crick. On this episode of the Heat Check, we have a very special guest here to break down all things L.A. Lakers. Let's welcome Claire DeLune, musician and writer, one of the best followers on NBA Twitter, at Claire MPLS, give her a follow. Check out her band, Tiny Desk, on Spotify. She also writes for The Guardian. She's here to tell us whether the Lakers' recent form is going to continue, whether they'll fall back to earth, and whether Anthony Davis might just be the 2022-2023 MVP. Let's get into this, Nick. So do me a favor and drop that beat. How did you get into music? Well, so music I've been doing since I was a little kid. Um, I've been writing songs since I was like in kindergarten and I started playing music professionally in high school. So that has, that is like, you know, been the, the kind of through line in my life. Um, I always knew that's what I wanted to do from the time I was really young and, um, And yeah, it just sort of is like, I've said this before, but I feel like writing songs is sort of just the way I like synthesize the human experience. Like it's just the way I deal with my feelings and like, you know, deal with existential dread and all of it. So I, yeah, I don't really remember a time before I wrote songs. You know, it's funny. um, You don't know this about me and I didn't know this about you until I was doing some prep about, about you, but me and you both were in a hip hop group. (gasps) <gasps> no two, way two white girls in yeah. hip-hop group that's, everybody needs that right that's like there's a real short <laughs> that's what everyone is clamoring for they're like you know what i wish there was more white girls in hip-hop groups from there's white a real city, dearth of that right you were in yeah. minneapolis i was mm-hmm. in portland um yeah those are the hip-hop capitals although honestly there's an amazing hip-hop scene in minneapolis because there's like rhyme sayers and like you know, like, I mean, they they are kind of known for it a little bit, but we got yeah. a meeting. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I saw him shopping at a grocery store in Malibu once, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh hey, come 
mean it. <laughs> we, he had like a cart full of junk food. It was really funny. So that's really interesting to me because that's not really your genre now. But, no, not at all. <laughs> so, and I don't even know. And if you don't want to talk about this, we don't have to because it's not really, I couldn't really find anything about it on your profile. Yeah. And it was like, so like in the like micro print, right? It was like Claire DeLune in a hip hop group called The Chalice. Yep. The Chalice with Lizzo. Yeah. With Lizzo. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I absolutely will talk about it. I, I just like don't, I don't know. I feel like it, first of all, it kind of feels like another lifetime because we stopped being a group in 2013. So it's like almost 10 years ago. Right. Um, and I've, I feel like I've done a lot since then. And I feel like I've honestly been like several people since then in some ways, like I was in my early twenties. It's just like such a different time in my life. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, it was, I loved it. Uh, it was a really fun group. I mean, obviously like any band I'm sure could tell you, like there were for sure ups and downs and like, especially in, you know, a, like a group of 20 something women, there's like plenty of drama <laughs> as I was, I would imagine is pretty obvious, but besides that, it was a blast. Like we had so much fun and, you know, we, we, it was all of our first taste of sort of like any level of success. Like we had like national management and we went on tour and like that sort of stuff. And none of us had ever done that before. So, um, I have super fond memories. Like it was great. Um, I was never super into the music to be honest. It wasn't really my vibe. It didn't feel, I felt sort of like I was like, playing a part or something like acting almost um because it was very I would say it's kind of similar to like what Lizzo's music is now it's very like boombastic sort of like like I'm gonna go out in the town with my girls like kind of music and my music if you've ever heard what I do now is like basically the exact opposite of that it's like very like moody and contemplative and like just not that at all and I had a lot of fun kind of like trying on that like role, but it just never really felt like true to me. So it wasn't rewarding in the same way that releasing music is for me now, because I didn't really feel like me. I felt like I was like acting kind of. Yeah. That's a really interesting space because you know, what I, what I had to do, uh, well, what I did, I was with a guy and we were mm -hmm. in a group and like, I wasn't dating like guys that were drug dealers. <laughs> but I was talking about it, you know, like, there's yeah. like a, you know, we're taking first class trips and like, you know, I'll hold your chain while you're in jail. And <laughs> I was like 16. Oh my God. Yeah, I was like 16. I'll send you it. I was like 16, 17 years old, right? At this yeah. point. But that was, I think, you're just kind of trying to make music and trying to be popular and trying to be seen. And then yeah. you, you sort of realize, I think, as a as an evolution to you, as a maybe this is how you feel, maybe you don't evolution as a person, as an artist, as a creative, yeah. like it doesn't it's not really fun if you're not doing it how you want to do it and how and who you are and what resonates yeah. with the things that you actually do. Yeah. I mean, I think for me at the time, it was a really good lesson because I ended up in that group because I was sort of. When I moved back to Minneapolis, originally it was supposed to be for like six months. It was not supposed to be for a long time and it ended up being seven years. And um, I, I knew people in the hip hop scene just like through social life. And so I sort of got my foot in the scene, like dipped my toe in of music in that scene by just like singing hooks on like rappers songs and stuff. Like that's just <laughs> sort of like was my calling card. 
And then I met Lizzo and Lauren, who's her now DJ, um, because we were like three of the only women I would see around at like, you know, rap shows and stuff. And we, they asked me to sing on one song they were working on. And that one song ended up getting played on the radio locally in like heavy rotation. And so we just kind of like got offered shows to play based off of that. And based off of that, we started writing more songs so that we would have things to play at the shows and everything about my career up until that point from like how I ended up in hip hop to how I ended up in that group. It all felt very like passive in a way. Like I was busting my ass, but I didn't feel like any of it was like, I had no vision for my career. I had no vision for the music I was making. I was sort of just like, oh, I guess I'll just do this thing. Cause it just like, this is where my path is leading me. And like, this is falling in my lap. And Tiny Desk, which is the music I'm doing now, was sort of my first time ever really being like, I want to make really intentional music that sounds exactly like the kind of music I want to listen to. And I honestly didn't ever even occur to me until I started doing what I do now that I could do that. Like, I really didn't feel empowered in that way. And I kind of just felt like that's how careers go is just like opportunities come to you and you mold yourself into something that fits them and then you go on to the next thing. So I think I had to like grow up, you know, and I had to like learn that you can and should be intentional about your career. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. How did you get from, okay, I'm, I'm making the music that I want to make, but also you, you grew up in New York, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But you became a Laker fan. <laughs> So how, how do you get in from music to, you know, becoming this imp sort of an important part of, I think, if somebody told me that you work for The Ringer, I wouldn't be surprised, right? Like, you're kind of a part of the the sort of stratosphere of it. How did, yeah. how did that, those opportunities come to be? And Man, how did your fandom come to be? It's so weird, honestly, that I work in NBA media now, because if you had told me that, even like, 10 years ago, I would have been like, you're insane. Like I was absolutely, first of all, I want to like be completely clear about this. The obnoxious artsy kid. That's like, what's a sport? Like sports ball. Like I was like that, like, I hate those people. And I was totally that I was such a little dickhead. Um, and I was just on tour with tiny deaths and I, my drummer was really into basketball, mind you way less into it than I am now. I've far surpassed him in knowledge at this point, but like, <laughs> He had the playoffs on in the background um, and uh, in our green room on tour. And I just started watching with him and I got totally obsessed. And just my personality type as a, a crazy person, I guess, is that like when I get into something, I get really into it and I like want to know everything about it and I get, you know, like super invested. And so I just went from zero to 100 and just started consuming so much NBA and just got like really into it. Um, and obviously very quickly I surpassed interest in, as far as all my friends, like all my friends were like, shut up. I don't want to hear you talk about basketball. So I kind of just like ended up on Twitter, like to just tweet into the void about basketball because I was boring all my like artsy friends to tears. And that's how I kind of got in the 
NBA Twitter like community, I guess. And then when I moved to LA in 2017, a lot of my NBA Twitter friends became like in real life friends because a lot of them live here. And um, for a long time, I was like the only one of my friends without a podcast and without who wasn't working in media. Like I got so, I can't overstate this. Like I got so into basketball that the only people who could like stand to like hang out with me and talk about basketball were people who were professionally working in the industry. <laughs> like it's just so ridiculous. But um, yeah, and then it just sort of like opportunities kind of started coming to me just from like, like my Twitter following growing and stuff. And I think also just because I, all my friends worked in the space and I just, I was just genuinely there for a good time. Like I had no agenda. I had no career ambitions. I had a whole other career as a musician um, that I had been working on my whole, it was like my life's work. So I was like, I was definitely not trying to like schmooze people and like, like climb any sort of social ladder. Cause I was just like stoked to have friends that were down to talk to me about basketball, honestly. Um, and then it just sort of organically turned into a job, which is still so weird to me and very cool. But um, I also am still a full-time musician too. Like I do both. Um, so, but yeah, I feel like I was, I was laughing about this with my mom. Cause I'm like, I don't think I could give career advice in the NBA because I don't think it'd be possible to recreate my path because I think the only reason I even got the opportunities I did was because I had no agenda at all. And I feel like if I had tried to reverse engineer it and if I was like, oh, I really want a job in this industry, I don't know if if I would have just had like the joie de vivre of like what I was doing enough to get any opportunities to do it, you know? Yeah. And like maybe would be pressing, maybe exactly. be trying to manipulate in some way. And you know how it is in L.A. It's like, yeah, there's a desperation that you can smell and you can smell it when they're they see it something from you, right? Yeah, like that exactly. they have less and that they're using that relationship to maybe expand. So do you think if you wanted to be in the NBA media space, you would have ever ended up in the media space? Yeah, no, that's the thing is I think it, I feel like it only happened because I was just doing, I think it's a good life lesson in some ways. Cause I think I just genuinely was like doing, getting like very passionate about something, very into it and like genuinely enjoyed it so much and just developed real meaningful relationships with people that were just based on enjoying their company and having a mutual interest. And then those relationships just like organically ended up turning into like career opportunities. But I think that you kind of like, it's convinced me honestly, that the only way to achieve real success at in any arena in life is to just like follow your bliss and like spend time doing the things that make you happy, spend time doing the things that you're passionate about don't worry about like having an agenda or like scheming or plotting or like, Oh, I have to talk to this person. Cause they know this person, like just lead with like, it sounds so corny, but like your heart and your joy and like the opportunities will come because I think joy is contagious and people want to be around people who are like enjoying their lives and like genuine. So yeah. that would be like my best advice to anyone, honestly, in any career is just like do the things that make you happy and like, like, follow your happiness and the other stuff will kind of maybe fall into place. I don't know.